You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza here, finally, for the first football game preview episode of the season. This will not be abbreviated because there's just too much to discuss here. Too big of an opponent, too big of a venue. Too much on the line this season, if not in this game. To help me out. Chris Anderson. Chris, back in the saddle, how does it feel? It was good. I, it's feel like this season stuck up on me a little more than maybe past seasons, even though Penn State is obviously a, a very big opponent. It was a big game. Last year was a big, big season opener too. But um, I don't know. I think it was kind of caught up in what was going on with fall camp and thinking, yeah, it's coming in a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden you start getting the – um promotional emails from all the sports books saying hey reminder season's about to get started let's go it's like oh yeah we got to get on game week mike and you know running pretty smooth so far got a lot of content on the site and this will just add to it for sure pretty smooth i see what you did there it's the longest off season like it's just it's forever it's like 270 days ago they played a game um and like it's the busiest off season too, because there's so much stuff going on too. So it, it's this interminable time between games, but there's so many things that happen. You kind of get dizzy. Um, I don't know how you did it, Chris, though. You made it to game week without a depth chart. This is now becoming a thing. Some coaches are just opposed to it. Some coaches will do what the other team does. Some coaches just do their own thing. And just to give you a different end of the spectrum here, Alabama, I don't know if you caught the Nick Saban news conference, but saying that they're not going to do depth charts because the media makes too big of a deal out of it. Again, that's kind of projecting, telling the media what they're actually doing. I'm not sure how many people are sitting in there going, yeah, you know what? You're right. I do do that. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, you have Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire. It seems like, again, that that program seems like it has the most fun and it's probably from the top down, but they have a, a YouTube program where they've revealed the depth chart. And then right in the middle, you have like Neil Brown and James Franklin just staring at each other, like with their hand on the gun and the holster, but not either one of them is going to pull it out yet and show what they're going to do. Um, this is such a strange thing. I don't, I don't know what you think about it, but I want to go over some predictions with you, if that's all right with you. For it, starting quarterback, I'm going to say you're going to go with Garrett Green, right? Yep. Starting right guard. That's that's where we disagreed, right? Yeah, but, like, what do you think here? Well, I mean, I think, honestly, regardless of who the starter is, I think they're going to do the same similar rotation as they did last year, you know, when they were were splitting time at right tackle between Yates and Hubbard. And, again, I was leaning towards Hubbard just based off of going all the way back to spring when they had an opening at center and they decided to move Yates there and give Hubbard more time. 
but it sounds like Yates has been getting a lot of time at first team right guard too during fall camp. We know who the X, we know who the Z is, probably know who the tight end is. Uh, inside receiver slot receiver, I'm not I'm not too sure, but I'm not too concerned about that. Go to defense. Will linebacker, Jordan Leslie says they're just going to play him and figure out who's hot or who's the most reliable in that game and go. But rather than asking you who's first out there, maybe you say that, but who do you think is the one that ends up with the most significant or the most period playing time? This is probably the the hardest one for me to choose and maybe the most worrisome because of, the, you know, none of the three have experience. None. Um, even if you expand that out to four and and say Tariq Austin Cave, like sliding over from the middle, there's there's no little to no experience in, in any of those four players. And the idea of, hey, we'll just kind of figure it out as the game goes along. Maybe that works if Duquesne was week one or like, you know, somebody like a Mac team was week one. But when you're opening against number seven, Penn State, that, that's troublesome, worrisome. And, and I still have no idea what the answer is going to be there. I mean, I'm assuming based off of what you were uh, reporting and talking about, maybe Trey Lathan. But I don't feel good about any of these choices. Yeah, I wonder if you start him or if he plays a lot. I just feel like that's the guy that in this this gunfight here where there's going to be talent out there that you got to have a talent who can run around. And I think of the three options, him, Jaido Fabris. Ben Cutter, maybe Tyreek Austin Cave, who, by the way, has not played, um, then he's probably the guy that has the highest ceiling. Maybe he can just run around and fit athletically out there, um, but he's got to actually literally fit um, into what they're doing. And can he do that? We'll see. I don't know. Uh, starting cornerbacks, they're going to play four, maybe five. Who are the first two? I don't know if maybe this is not crazy, but it's something that I was going to touch on in our little preview of Penn State here in a few minutes. So maybe I'll go ahead and spill it now. Beanie Bishop. I mean, they've talked about him kind of being the alpha. Um, the game last season where he played the most snaps in the regular season at Penn State. Hmm. And he ranked as while well, the team got the team got carved up. Uh, I mean, part of that was like turnovers from the offense. And I think the game ended up being like 45-17. But it was through no fault of Bishops who finished the game with like a, a PFF grade near 80 and a coverage grade of 77. He allowed only the, the Penn State through for 304 yards and four touchdowns. But with Bishop in coverage, they got seven yards against him. Mm. I He's been there. He's done that. He's played there. I would lean on him if if you if all else is equal, or maybe even if it's not, I would lean on him to be one of the starters and then probably turn my attention to um, Montre Miller or uh, Andrew Wilson-Lamp at the other spot. Yep, I'm with you. I like Miller as one corner. I like Bishop as the other. Here's an asterisk, though, because there's an injury to discuss. Don't know how severe it is because they're not going to tell us, but Neil Brown says no starters are out, maybe some backups, and if there are players out there, they're going to be just backups. And Aubrey Burks, of all people, said that Marcus Floyd has not been practicing, has not been around. That was on Monday. Perhaps he practices later in the week. I don't know, but something there. If he can't play, he is your backup free safety. Um, he does not factor into what happens in the slot, but maybe an Anthony Wilson or more specifically a Keyshawn Cobb does. Keyshawn Cobb can do a little bit of everything back there, including play that nickel. I really wonder if a personnel thing happens, whether it's on the first snap or at some point down a distant situation, whatever, if you don't see Bishop slide inside, 
and play the nickel because he might be the next best there. And if you're shorter in the safety, it might amplify that need. Just something to watch. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Chris, I will not quiz you on starters and the special teams. I have all the answers if you want to uh, catch me on the VIP board because that's how I roll. The game itself. On the Ear Sports Plus VIP board? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ear Sports Plus ST special teams. Trademark that, by the way. So there's ST and then TM. It's very convoluted. Nine wins, 48 losses, two ties, and West Virginia is 3-31 and 31 at Beaver Stadium. That is a .088 winning percentage. Um, this is a long time since they played. Uh, the last game was 1992. The last game at Beaver Stadium was 91. West Virginia last won at Beaver Stadium. Boy, you really got to go back and try to find this here. And actually, I have the note, and I can't find it. Um, been quite some time, but they don't play very often. They could play more often than they do. Maybe that is something that comes out of this because they'll be in Morgantown next year, but I'm not sure what the longevity here is. Uh, 1954, last time that West Virginia won at Penn State. Back-to-back wins, by the way, 53 and 54. Hardly played in Morgantown back when the series was starting. 7.30 p.m., NBC. It's the first Big Ten game on NBC as part of the TV contract. It's a whiteout, um, or it's a it's a helmet. I forget what they're calling it. It looks like it'll be pretty cool. Whiteout, except a section of the fans on each side, sideline side, will be in blue, so it looks like a helmet stripe. That will be cool for the blimp. But biggest crowd ever, quite likely, to see the Mountaineers play. Chris, what do you think? Opener, so many transfers, so much discussion about this game, and again, so much on the line for the season. There's surely pressure just about a regular standard opener. But there's a showcase again for West Virginia, not new to it. Third time in a row they've opened the season on the road. Is there any type of value added or lost? Um, I don't know. Preparation, execution, scoreboard based on the circumstances involved with this game. I don't know if it helps West Virginia for this game, but I think it does. It might help them moving forward as far as like, hey, man, it's not it's it's never going to get any harder than this. There is no other venue or game on the schedule the rest of the way where you will face anything even remotely close to you know, 106, 107,000 fans on a Saturday night, Penn State, top 10 team, you know, and white out all their striped stadium, excuse me, um, or helmet stripe, whatever they're calling it. it there, there's nothing they're going to face that's going to be anywhere near this. So you get through this, and then you can look at them and say, you know, down the road, well, you, you, know, you travel to TCU, and you're like, hey, man, it's a noon game against, you know, number 20 TCU in Fort Worth. There's going to be like, 38, 40,000 fans in the stadium. It's not going to be anything like what you've already done. So you've done it. You've had the hardest part. It's behind you. Let's move forward and let's get it done. I say that, but I remember our post-game podcast after the pit game last year. We both pegged this team to be – did we both have 6-6 six and six last year? Somewhere around there. 6-7-5, yeah. and five, I might have said. Okay. And then after the game, we're like, wow, this could be a team that actually overshoots a little bit. And maybe maybe they do go 7-5 and five or 8-4. and four. Who knows? They certainly are better than what we saw based on the opponent and the venue of the first game last year. Boy, were we mistaken. So um, got to be careful on this one right here. Granted, they beat Penn State. Watch out because the expectations will run wild. Um, and not without validation because this would be a heck of one. This would be an all-timer for West Virginia. Um, I mentioned this, too. Three straight years, they've opened with a true non-conference road game. That has never happened before in the history of West Virginia football. Um, that should never happen again. That's just too much for the fan base, especially when 
you lost the first two. And just to be frank, the expectation is they will drop to 0-1 for a third straight year. Um, that is that is not great scheduling right there. There's certainly different ways to do that. It'll end next year. But boy, you'd like to you'd like to not start off on the road three straight years. It just gives you one less thing to look forward to, especially if you come home with a loss there. Let's get into the matchups, Chris. We'll start. We can flip a coin here. Do you want to go offense on Penn State or defense on Penn State first? Let's go West Virginia on offense and Penn State on defense, because I'll, I'll be quite honest, like that's probably where like I, I I'll be spending the least amount of my time talking is on that side of the ball. Okay. Um, okay. I'll probably be doing that too. Um, <laughs> Neil Brown again, didn't have a depth chart. I don't know how he did this, but he said that Penn state has nine draft picks and they're too deep on defense. Uh, I tried to do it. I got the seven or eight stretching a little bit. The nine was a crap shoot for me. Um, but again, this is a team that has recruited pretty well in defense and is going to develop players just because of the way that goes up in Happy Valley too. But they they do have impact people at all three levels. And maybe if you want to call like the safety position a fourth level, all four levels there. But defensive line, linebacker, cornerback especially, and now safety, they do have people who can affect the game. It's going to be a, a fitting challenge for West Virginia. This is I'm not talking about Penn State. They're number seven in the country for a reason. But a lot of it is that they have talent, they have depth, they have ways to affect the game on defense. Yes, they do. And, and, and in a big way. And that was one, that's going to be one of my keys and my key matchups here is kind of how West Virginia's offense, Garrett green, everybody really can take care of the ball and control things because that defense freaks. We talked about the havoc rate and turnover luck and all this other stuff. Penn state forced so many fumbles last year while also intercepting a ton of passes. And and they were one of the best in the country in turnover margin, one of the best in the country in takeaways. And it reflected in their games. In their 11 wins, Penn State's defense had 25 takeaways. That's over two a game. In their two losses, they only got one interception. That was it. One, one first forced turnover in two whole games. And, and they lost both of those contests. And in their 11 wins, they had 25 takeaways. And that includes a couple games. I believe it was, was it, it was at Northwestern. I think I was looking up something on. And, and, and I mean, their offense turned it over three, four times to a 1-11 Northwestern team. But Penn State's defense forced five turnovers of their own. So that defense can wreak havoc. And, and they do it in a variety of different ways. And, and it just always seems like it's attacking. Um, and those turnovers can rear their ugly, ugly head, and, and which would not be great for a an offensive West Virginia that's trying to kind of mesh and gel around the new quarterback. Yeah, West Virginia's defense. Conversely, I know we're talking about Penn State's defense, West Virginia's offense, but the Mountaineers, 10 takeaways last year. So a double and then half of, of that is what, what Penn State did. Overall for West Virginia, minus eight on takeaway, on turnover differential, Penn State plus 11. Um, give me plus 12. I'm looking at this wrong. Yeah. So that, again, that's an opposite number there. 20 turnovers separating one from the other. Will it be the same this year? Uh, I don't know how much the ball will be in the air with green, but certainly he'll be running a little bit. Got to be careful because he, you're right. Force fumbles last year. They were very good at that too. Um, they, they have some personnel just holistically. That is impressive. If you look at how you line up a defensive line, you know, they're going to go and tackle, tackle, and, I think you're going to see some funky stuff there. They have some pass rushers. They have linebackers who can put their hand on the ground here too. 
this is where I kind of begin looking at things too. You're, you're absolutely right. The variable there about the turnover margin takeaways key, but we get into mono mono stuff here. West Virginia's offensive line, pretty good. About to see how good they are because they're going to see, again, just the holistic approach. They're going to see good talent, but I think you're going to see Manny Diaz doctor the lineup a little bit. They have a couple of really good rush ends. Could they have an even front with three ends? Could they have an odd front with three ends that are playing? Um, just because they want to get that pass rush personnel on the field. The best thing West Virginia can do is avoid third and long here in this game because they have, you know, guys who will pin their ear back and come. But um, are there individuals, are there matchups that you're looking for here where, uh-oh, that guy's on the edge. He's not usually there. Uh-oh, they got a couple of speed rushers in here on third and nine. Um, anything there that makes you stand out, whether it's individuals or combinations? I, I was, I'm, I'm glad you gave me the option of combination here, Mike, because you just said West Virginia needs to avoid third and longs. Penn State, or more precisely, Manny Diaz, uh, defensive coordinator for Penn State during his time at Penn State and Miami. And this is, I'll give credit to their their um, you know official website. It is right at the top here that defenses under Manny Diaz were ranked in the top ten every year since 2016, since he was became a defensive coordinator at Miami. They've ranked in the top ten in tackles for loss every single season since 2016 which given the turnover COVID you know him going from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator to head coach back to defensive coordinator changing schools COVID changing personnel all that stuff it doesn't matter his scheme and the way he wants to attack on defense is going to create negative plays which is going to make it very difficult to stay out of those third and longs that you mentioned and I think that's my biggest concern because if Garrett Green and, and this whole new fresh corps uh, core of wide receivers are facing third and eight, third and 11, third and seven, third and 12. It's going to be a very, very long night for West Virginia. Yeah, to underscore this, um, 26 conversions on 105 third downs of seven or more last year included now granted some of that's gonna be skewed by runs so they're four opponents were four for 38 <laughs> first downs on the third and seven or more okay fine you're gonna pass a lot more when it's third and seven well guess what penn state knows that um 22 first downs on 73 third and longs last year too they they have the personnel to do it up front but also in the back end we'll get to their cornerbacks i'm sure but um listen west virginia's offense is going to play has a plan has some toys i think they want to take out in the field and see what they can do um, this game is not going to start off 70 to nothing so the mountaineers do have a chance um, where do we begin to to solve this penn state personnel puzzle this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. One area that I liked West Virginia's chances against this uh, against this Penn State defense. And again, well, I'm, we're, we're, I don't want to say we're throwing darts with a blindfold on here, but without a, a depth chart, we're kind of using projections from our Lions 24-7 site and, and other uh, – uh, other sides trying to figure out who's going to be playing for them and what's going on. But from what I can tell, Penn State will be starting, you know, like you said, two two ends, two tackles on the defensive line. And those two tackles in the middle, Akeem Beeman grades out really well overall, according to PFF. But his tackling grade is a 26.3. Right beside him, Devon Ellis, Ellis 55.4 overall grade. And then you go right behind them to the presumed starting Mike linebacker, Kobe King, 55.9 overall grade. And you're talking about that middle of their defense. I hate to use the term soft because I'm pretty sure anyone or all three of them could just pummel me into the ground. <laughs> but that that is where, you know, you look at the PFF grades and you look at the tackling grades and missed tackles and all that stuff. And it's strong everywhere except for those three guys and some of those guys were in bit parts last year you know 300 snaps instead of 600 so i'm curious if that middle of the defense for penn state is susceptible to say a very large and very athletic running back like cj donaldson running right up the middle at them hmm interesting hmm their rush defense last year was bizarre like it and just if you take away one game, which I understand you can't do, but if you take away one game um, in 13 games, they allowed just about a thousand yards, excuse me, 12 games, just about a thousand yards. However, Michigan ran the ball 55 times for 418 yards, 7.6 yards per carry four touchdowns, uh, 41 to 17 win. But again, take that away 12 games, about a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So they've been very good at times, um, but some big numbers, uh, Utah 184, um, Minnesota, right after the Michigan game where things were maybe exposed a little bit, 165. Low yards per carry in that one, though. But um, I don't know if there's tape to study by Michigan because they're so darn, I don't want to say unique, but just Michigan's personnel and their approach in offense is probably hard to mimic. I'm not sure you do that. But, man, that was such an outlier for them that you figured there was something there that could be exploited and exposed, and how much time do you give that? I'm not really sure. Um, that will be one to watch for sure. And that's been their question mark in the preseason, too. If you read some of the clips from the papers and especially the 24-7 site that cover them, a lot of players, a lot of coaches say, yeah, we just don't know yet about the collective worth of the defensive line. Individually, great talent, great recruits. They're going to bank on some players as being better this year than maybe they have been before. Maybe they're young and they're just getting up in the system. But they're going to need some of those things to happen because they just kind of have that giant arrow pointing over your head. If you're going to pick a spot, to go after him, you know, that's going to be one of them. Watch for a guy like Jordan Vandenberg, guy from Johannesburg, South Africa. Didn't play a ton last year, but that's one of those off-season champion guys. And if he gives them something in the middle, 6-3-3-10, super strong, um, that could be a guy that makes a difference in the game and, and kind of closes that gap that you're talking about. Maybe that's a place that West Virginia does want to pick at. Maybe he stands there and says, nope, not this year, because I'm standing in the way, too. Receivers against cornerbacks. This, to me, might actually be the game. I just know the West Virginia is going to lean on the run as much as it can. And the differences one way or the other could very well come from matchups or just singular plays. 
when it is West Virginia throwing the ball to its receivers against Penn State's cornerbacks. Uh, Penn State lost cornerbacks and safeties to the draft. Penn State secondary is probably going to be the best that West Virginia sees and could end up as one of the better ones this country. Again, not hyperbolic for the number seven team in the country. It's not me talking up an opponent. It's because they have really good players back there. Uh, where do we look on offense when it is time to throw the ball? Uh, anywhere that Kalen King is not. Yeah. Is that a, an acceptable answer? By the way, uh, starting linebacker, you mentioned Kobe King. Starting cornerback, Kalen King. I believe they're twins. That's that's a pretty good recruiting chip, huh? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Good luxury. Yeah, but um, Kalen King, I mean, he he grades out as, I believe, the second highest returner uh, for Penn State this season. Uh, he is elite in coverage. His 90.6 average grade uh, last season, allowing teams to only complete 45% of the passes in his direction. And he broke up nine passes and had three interceptions in coverage uh, while allowing only one touchdown. So, and, and again, we're talking here where he's kind of getting targeted because last year the other cornerback was Joey Porter Jr., who he was either the last pick in the first round of the NFL draft or the first pick of the second round of the NFL draft. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean he he was elite. And you, you so they're avoiding Porter to throw at King, and then King is putting up those kind of numbers, which is just kind of wild. So maybe this year you avoid King and hope there's not somebody that's just as good on the other side. Which there might be. That's probably the problem here. <laughs> like, they have another very good corner. Um, his, yeah, you're right. His coverage numbers are incredible, too. Um, I don't want to tip it all away. There's things we're going to write about. But in man coverage, he broke up forced incomplete passes on 41% of the attempts. And they play man eh, about half the time. Granted, that's a good reason to play man when you have a guy like him. They'll mix it up. They'll do some things. But, man, when you're forcing 13 incomplete passes, 41% of the attempts, you're doing something right in man-to-man, and that's not a guy who gave up a ton of plays there, too. Elsewhere on there, matchups for West Virginia, the tight end situation, um, they they could be big enough and fast enough a linebacker to run with guys, but I, I just feel like, Chris, you gotta you got to see what you have on this one here. Like They talk about it a lot maybe every year at West Virginia, but, man, they got a guy who's you know just naturally open in the 6'7", Cole Taylor. They're going to probably put two on the field a bunch. Um, do they have to? Will they incorporate tight ends here? And, and is that a way to maybe stay away from the corners, uh, maybe get vertical a little bit if he's running with a safety or a linebacker and just try to make some splashes with the tight ends? Mike, uh, according to Ear Sports Message Board Law, I am not allowed to talk about West Virginia throwing to a tight end until they have done it for at least three games in a row. I'm so sorry. this is an open case then? This is an open case. I got to see it to believe it. I mean, they, I, you're right. They talk about it every year. And, and Cole Taylor has everything that you're hoping for in a tight end. I got to see it. I, I have to actually see it with my own two eyes before I believe it. Okay. Uh, Joey Porter, by the way, number 32 picks, second round. And then there are other cornerback who's really good is Johnny Dixon, who's probably going to get drafted as well, too. So uh, that's the long and short there. Anything else on that particular defense versus offense matchup for you? No, sounds good. All right. Now the fun West Virginia's defense, which was talked about a lot and perhaps the, not the most flattering terms last year against Penn State's offense, which I think you can simplify, just not simplify, but you can certainly lock your stare into the backfield because their running backs are exquisite. And the quarterback, again, don't know who it is, but everybody is pretty excited to see Drew Aller play. Um, where do we start here? Because 
Not great in the outside. Tried to get some receivers in the transfer portal. Got two that West Virginia wanted, except one that actually ended up at West Virginia. One did not. But uh, just to me, it begins and ends with the two running backs. It has to. I mean, they're two of the best running backs that West Virginia will face all season. And they're going to be in the same backfield. And they're going to be dominantly featured in this game. They are um, uh, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. I mean, they they are elite. I mean, everybody gets upset sometimes when we use the term elite, especially on, on our board and in some of our stories. But the, these two guys are elite. They are something special. And the most dangerous part about both of them they they i mean they they got the whole package they're they're nicely sized they got good top end speed good acceleration good cutbacks but they make you miss and that's the problem and that's where the biggest issue could be with this game because you look at singleton's uh stats from last season 34 missed tackles forced on 156 carries one out of every five carries he is making somebody completely miss him on a tackle and he's not even as good as Allen, yeah. who had 46 missed tackles for us on 167. So one every four carries, Allen is making somebody miss. That's how you go from like a three-yard gain to a 12-yard gain or a five-yard gain to a 50-yard gain. And that's where they kill you. Uh, you know, again, I, I wasn't completely sold on that offense at Penn State last season, but these two guys were special and they were the ones that made it happen. And a lot of those are just winning one-on-one -on -one battles in the field. Uh, against linebackers and defensive linemen and even defensive backs and making a miss. If you just counted Singleton's yards after contact last year, he would have ranked number 101 in the country in rushing. He would have had 715 yards rushing just after contact. Um, four and a half yards per carry after contact. That's pretty good. Um, and it's not just making people miss. You're right. But you think making people miss, you're thinking Barry Sanders, someone who's very shaky. He's fast. He runs away from people. But boy, he runs through people. And that's one reason that they have been West Virginia's coach have been adamant about wrapping up and running your feet to the guy because if you don't, if you just wrap him up, he's going to run through you. Um, pro Football Focus tracks some um, breakaway runs. Those are runs of 15 yards or more. He had 18 of those, and they accounted for almost 60% of his yardage last year. So he's been strong there too. Um, they also got Trey Pops from Minnesota. He was a pretty good running back before he got hurt. That's pretty much standard for Minnesota, but it's a guy who's got like 1,200 yards in his career. He's their third running back this year too. Don't know if they'll get to him or not. Um, outside, they did not get Devin Carter. He ended up at West Virginia. He was committed to Penn State. They end up getting Dante Cephas. Um, they bring back some receivers, too. Makes life a little bit easier for Drew Allard. That, that's who we expect to see out there. And, and again, this is a guy who kind of a slice bread recruit a quarterback. Um, they play with Sean Clifford for four seasons in a row. We started 46 out of 47 games. He was there for six years. Just a different type of quarterback, at least by appearances. Hearing West Virginia talk about him. Um, just bigger and heavier, but has some of the same threatening abilities when it comes to tucking and running, sneaky athletic, sneaky fast. Uh, do you see that? Do you buy that? I'm not sure I'm buying. He's as big as sneaky as some of the guys that West Virginia has seen over the years. I do think he's got the, 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 the arm talent would be something special, but we also have to remember, like, I don't know. I think when everybody looks at this game and they start talking about the quarterbacks, a lot of the, the outside experts, if you will, are saying, man, look, West Virginia starting this guy, Garrett Green, he's got, like, barely played. It's like, yeah, you guys do know that um, Drew Aller, like, 60 passes in his career. Like, he played as a backup sparingly last season uh, in a bunch of games, but similar to Green. But that's it. That's his experience. 
So I think a lot of this is going off of recruiting pedigree, which again, I'm not one of those people. I'm obviously one of those people who believes in recruiting rankings, but it's not the end all be all. You do have to see it convert to college. Um, if, if all this will convert to college play and we haven't seen it from him yet. So I think he's just as much as an unknown, maybe more so than green. Uh, although his upside is pretty darn high given, you know, what we've seen in the size and the arm strength. Absolutely. Um, one reason the Clifford and that offense was as good as it was last year, as good as they were last year, even if you, Chris, were not sold on them, is that he just thrived outside the design of the play. Um, when he got pressure, he was pretty good. Eight touchdowns, one interception. He averaged about 11 yards per attempt um, on the depth of target. Hardly any mistakes. Um, again, one pick, only five turnover-worthy plays. He made things happen. His adjusted completion percentage was about 71%. So when he got pressured, he did things. Uh, Allard, I'm not going to give you his sample size. It's about the same, but young quarterbacks are often so programmed to stay inside the constructs of the play that they will either avoid getting outside of it, or when they do get outside of it, they're not as good. West Virginia is going to have to try to confuse them and pressure them. And can they do that with their pass rush, whether it's a bandit, whether it's defensive ends or combinations up front? Can they get in, into advantageous situations? Those third and eights, third and tens we were talking about, that's going to be a big thing. See what this guy has. Uh, anything on Bo Prabula, or are you not expecting him at all? I'm not expecting well, I mean, I expect him maybe in similar packages as I might expect Nico Marchio. Just occasionally throw him out there for something, but no. Okay. Uh, finally, tight ends. Just going to mention them because like that's what people do when it comes to Penn State this year, it seems like. But they have two that I think that they like. Um, Theo Johnson, I think there was a question as to whether or not he would play. He was in some uh, off-the-field trouble this year, but he's also a team captain who's probably been on the straight and narrow since then. And then a person that has been mentioned by all the coaches for West Virginia as someone who really worries them because of his height, his speed, his athleticism is Tyler Warren. Those are both six, 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 seven guys who are 250, 260. Not sure where they are as pass receivers, but Chris, if you look at the splits for where Singleton and Allen run, man, they go outside that left end a lot, which is the tight end. And your left side, your left guard, left tackle, tight end. If you're running pros out there, we haven't talked about that, but they have some pros on that left side of that offensive line. And you add a tight end out there who can do it, whether that's Johnson or Warren. Uh, that's dangerous. Just their team totals last year outside. They ran a ton outside the left, outside the right. Allen favored the left side and Singleton favored the right side. So they do mix it up and they're potent when they get out there. Those two can be receivers. They can stretch the field, but if they're going to run 12 personnel, they're going to create edges. They're going to create extra gaps. Uh, that's going to force West Virginia's second level defenders to come up and be honest about it. And then from there, who knows what happened? But if they run the ball effectively outside, it's because of those tight ends, I'm sure. Also, maybe the All-America left tackle. But also, if they're running it effectively, those guys are getting to the edges. That's going to maybe eventually create some play action issues or some moments where that secondary can't be honest. And then if you followed West Virginia football for any amount of time, you are perpetually in fear of a tight end getting vertical at the seam and, and getting open there. Um, that's my spiel on tight end. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Or have I said way too much on the topic here? It's a three-game rule, I understand. I wouldn't sure if it applied to Penn State. You have you have cornered the market on tight end talk today. You got it. Right. Here we go, Chris. We'll wrap it up here. Um, feel free to add anything that you want as we answer this last question. Tee it up as always. Um, game starts seven thirty. Game ends. Geez, um, I'm hoping <laughs> like before eleven. That'd be awesome. Right now, the games are checking a little bit faster than before. These two teams figure to run the ball a bunch. I don't know if it'll get away with those run clock moments in the fourth quarter. We'll see, but. Eventually, we'll talk after the game is my point. I'll be at Beaver Stadium. You'll be in Richmond. We will chat 
who and what are we talking about that contributes to the outcome here, whether that's a West Virginia win, an upset for the ages, or the Penn State, uh, I would say, expected triumph in the opener? I mean, skipping over the obvious of Garrett Green and quarterback play, I'm going to say if if West Virginia keeps it close or pulls off the upset, the sneaky reason will be the defensive line. And I know I've said, hey, I'm worried about the defensive line because A.J. Jackson said, you know, they'll be solid, but he wasn't sure that they had, you know, the big-time playmakers kind of guys. Maybe that's exactly what you need against Penn State, a team that likes to run zone, likes to run zone read and outside zone because so much of defending that is defensive line discipline, 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 discipline. Guys sticking to their roles, doing what they're supposed to do. If, if the ball goes left, I do this. If it goes right, I do this. And if they can stick in those those roles, stick in those lanes, that'll help shut down that zone, uh, the zone reads, help shut down those outside and inside zone runs that uh, Penn State kind of lives on. And I think that's something I'll be watching very closely because it it's going to take all of them. If just one of them doesn't hold true to what they're supposed to be doing, then there's an open lane, and those running backs are good enough to find it, and they're going to make West Virginia pay. I like it. Absolutely agree. Um, probably could press end right now and wrap it up, but you know I can't possibly do that, especially when you have the right word for the last word. That's not good enough. So I'm going to step back a little bit and get a broader view here, and I think back to something Aubrey Burke said on Monday. Um, he had a couple of really good things to say about the occasion, but also the fact that Listen, respect how good the opponent is, but just don't be afraid of them because, again, this is two college football teams playing in an opener. They've had a lot of time to prepare. So I wonder how much that applies to just everything at large for Penn State. For example, respect the running backs. Don't fear them. So what you're saying right there about the defensive line, let me copy and paste that here. They're going to have to be the factors. Um, when it comes to throwing at uh, the cornerbacks we've mentioned, don't be scared of them. Like, if it's man-to-man, don't be scared. That means guys like Bram and Carter, who was brought here to be a number one, have to excel. When it comes to the quarterback, yeah, he's a five-star and he was a number three player and the number one quarterback in last year's recruiting class. Guys never played before. Don't be afraid to go after him. Like, respect the talent because they've earned it. They're number seven for a reason there. But 100 yards long, 53 and a third yards wide, 60 minutes, six timeouts, all that cliche stuff. I said earlier in the week, it feels weird to say it again, but you can't be scared of this one here. You're not going to um, tiptoe into this. And if that means coming down to a fourth and one, in a spot where a punt seems like a good idea, maybe going for it's a better idea at this point. You know, pass sometimes is prologue, and you don't repeat your history if you learn from it. So situations like that, I think, may be bound to happen here, and they're going to have to figure out, can we throw this corner man-to-man? Can we win on a third and two uh, on a run play that we know is coming at us? Can we pressure this quarterback and force a mistake? We're sure he maybe gets one off and goes over our head. They're going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to be the scarier team. They're going to have to do something that earns respect from the other side. I think that whether they do that or do that enough or do that well enough will be something that we probably discuss at the end here. Plenty more coming up on the website here. By the numbers, that's back. The fresh set, that'll be back. You have, Chris, at some point, answers from your questions on the Penn State site. You've got your three keys to the game. Uh, what else am I missing here that we can share with our listeners about how we are previewing the game? I have a video pod with our Penn State site. Going to have a couple more things from Andrew Corbett leading up to the game. Um, how to watch, a couple recruiting stories. Check out the midweek VIP buzz if you haven't seen it already. Uh, Long-form recruiting notebook, basically. A lot happening. A lot of reason to be excited. 
A lot of answers on the way. We will know more when we talk again after the game Saturday night. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.